In this week's Planet Korea, we resume our regular series on Korean urbanism with Colin Marshall. He's the local blogger for the Los Angeles Times Review of Books and an absolutely prolific authority on the subject of cities. This time around, we're taking a close look at a phenomenon facing so many older neighborhoods in Seoul, demolition. Out with the old, in with the new, and vertical. Join us now as Colin and I take a walk with a special guest, local journalist John Dunbar. So, guys, here we are. What's the name of the neighborhood, John? We are in a place called Pamgol Village. Pamgol Village. In the background, we have the whir and the heave of heavy construction equipment. And um, I remember, John, you telling us it was imperative we come sooner rather than later because this place might not be here in a number of days or weeks. Days. In, since two weekends ago, I've already seen... Over 50% of the houses in this area demolished. So I thought we'd better see this before it's all gone. Yeah. We just took a pretty extraordinary walk over this giant, for lack of a better word, uh, rubbish heap. Basically, the remains of old houses and uh, frames of houses and trash and dirt kind of sculpted just enough for us to walk over. We didn't record up there because since there's absolutely no walls... There was too much wind to record. I mean, this is kind of a, 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 a bomb site, for lack of a better word. And yeah. we should stress, this is not a unique neighborhood. There's lots and lots of neighborhoods in Seoul mm-hmm. that are undergoing this. And they, they do they have common characteristics? Uh, most of them have a lot of similarities. But this one is particularly representative of what Korean people call a moon village, or Daldongne. Uh, when Seoul was uh, being resettled after the war... A lot of the lowlands were settled first, like the, the Seoul residents moved back in, took the land, the rich people got their land, and then uh, as urban, urbanization picked up over the next few decades, poorer people were coming in and uh, looking for whatever land remained, and that drove them further and further up hills to places like we are right now. So as has been explained to me, but some people have disagreed. Um, the reason these places are called moon villages is because we are literally closer to the moon if it were overhead right now. <laughs> it's counterintuitive, Colin, to a Westerner because we tend to think of the high perches with the views as the prime real estate. And then That's down true. there, uh, you know, kind of where you can't see anything in gutter level uh, is, is the less desirable real estate. In many ways, yes, it's the inverse of cities we expect in the West. Especially you see it in the case of universities, how universities Universities, they go to the only land they could find when it was time to establish the universities, which is a steep hillside usually in Seoul and Busan, everywhere. Universities are often, just look for the sharpest slope, the biggest pain in the butt to get to, and that's where the university is going to be. But it's also a distinctive feature, is it not, of Seoul that there's redevelopment going on all the time. Like every city's changing constantly, except maybe, you know, Paris or cities like that. But here, whole neighborhood just gets scraped and a new neighborhood rebuilt, right? Is that right, John? Is that how it works? I wouldn't call apartment complexes neighborhoods, uh. but I agree. <laughs> but uh, what, what comes up after them? What, what does replace them? So we see some in the background, these 15, 20, 30-story towers. What, what's the deal? What are these? Uh, well, basically, in, whenever you look anywhere in Seoul and you see a large apartment complex, almost all of those were built on previous neighborhoods of smaller buildings. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now where we are in basically the middle of Dongjaku in southern Seoul, Pretty well, you can turn almost 360 degrees and see high-rises along the, the skyline for most of it, I would say. Um, 
Now, uh, Kurt, I wanted to mention something interesting you said was how, you know, it seems strange that here in Korea, land uphill is associated with, like, you know, being poorer. Now that, you know, Korea is so modern and cars are everywhere, that kind of uh, scheme has reversed. So that's why the the higher-up neighborhoods are being developed whenever possible, because now richer people want to live up here. Yeah, now I can picture that changing. Uh, When you factor in accessibility, and every time you have to make that climb, I can see where the uphill stuff would be less desirable. I one of my first things that struck me when I came to Korea and Seoul the first time were these rather boxy, nondescript buildings mm-hmm. that all have numbers on them. And I, I thought, how depressing to say to your friend, "Oh, come on over to you know 102 tonight." You know, it's not a far walk from 104. Um, and there's something a little bit bittersweet about seeing a neighborhood with a lot of distinct houses and different buildings just going under the bulldozer yeah. to make room for these things. Yeah, it's uh, maybe it it could be considered self selfish of us to say we people should live like this in Bamgor village versus this in yeah. high rise apartments with modern uh, amenities. For me, a big important problem with that is the the, the populations that live in both these places. You know, these high rises to our left, where it says heights one hundred six and one hundred nine, uh, that is for. Those were built for, you know, young professional families, husbands and wives looking to have a family or whatever, have kids. Uh, A demographic that doesn't exist so much anymore in that income bracket. So uh, I'm concerned about, you know, overpopulation of that type of house. Are there people to live in them? Yeah, that's the Uh, question. exactly the problem. Meanwhile, all the housing for people who uh, don't have all that money or don't want to take out expensive loans is disappearing from Seoul. I I mean, they're just literally getting priced out of their own neighborhood, which means they're getting priced out of living in central Seoul. They have to go somewhere out in the suburbs or uh, satellite towns and so forth. Yeah, it's exactly. It's kind of sad. Yeah. So, guys, we've ducked away from the wind in this little sad, crumbling shanty full of junk and broken glass. Uh, There may even be an echo that picks up on our mics because there's just nothing in here. No humanity, no furniture, really, or anything. Um, I don't know. Do you get feelings when you walk into a place like this? There's like a kind of a story here. There's so much uh, abandoned junk. There's some bicycles. There's some shoes. uh, Dressers. Stuff like that. Liquor bottles. (laughs) And there's a uh, crucifix picture up on the wall there. Yes. You know, so um, it's definitely a, a household left behind. Definitely. I've personally been to so many places like this that I uh, kind of uh, am a little bit more objective looking when I look at places like this. Mm. Uh, I've, I have one friend I brought to a neighborhood like this once, and he burst into tears. Really? He was just like, people used to live here. That's the that's, that's first one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't get that strong of a feeling, but that's roughly the, the sensation I get. So what happened? Why is it full of junk? Why didn't people pack their stuff into boxes and take it with them? Why is it strewn everywhere? Well, that's a difficult question because if you look around in a lot of places, you'll find stuff that you would never want to leave behind. Personal mm-hmm. photographs, a lot of personal items. I mean, these people left a Bible. Uh, they, they left a lot of religious stuff, actually. In many cases, uh, in this neighborhood in particular, there are people who probably move away and go into a hospital 
because the population around here is quite elderly mm-hmm. and there's nobody to move in after. I have heard that sometimes when you are being evicted in a case like this and you do want that compensation, I recall hearing one guy telling me once when he's being evicted from somewhere in Songdonggu, he was told he would get like, I think it was 3 million won or something like that, and he was a renter. So that's a decent deal. Um, and he was told, but you're going to have to move out on the day we say, and we're going to tell you on that day. So literally, he spent the next few months just waiting and waiting for that day. Like, All packed up. Uh, yeah. Would it come? I mean, I, I, I assume he was packed up. I guess there's no point in throwing stuff out if your house is now the the, the refuse site. Yes. You, you are the garbage heap now. It, it is also worth remembering that, I, uh, as I understand, there is a superstition in Korea that when you move out, you don't clean after you leave because then the ghosts will realize, they'll be able to sense that you're gone. Uh-huh. So if you move out but you leave some stuff, the ghosts will still kind of sense your presence here. So when you said earlier that there is no humanity left here, I looked around and I disagree. I think there is still humanity uh, in these walls. There's just a very, very sloppy human living here. <laughs> I wouldn't even, I don't even think we could judge that person. <laughs> you should see my apartment. My apartment yeah. can get worse than this. How old a house would you say this is? The shell of a house? And sort of how old was this neighborhood, do you think? This neighborhood certainly would have gone back to early days of uh, redevelopment of Seoul. Mm-hmm. Uh, Park I would assume. Days. Yeah, definitely Park Jung Hee. Um, who knows? Maybe a little earlier. But this house in particular is made with um, kind of modern materials. The We can't see beneath the wallpaper. Uh, it's not quite a Hanuk. I would say this place was built in the... And I'm not an expert. I would say 70s or 80s. Many of these uh, buildings have spray-painted on the side. I believe it says Cholgo. Cholgo, yeah. What does that mean? Demolition. Demolition. Yeah. That's okay. There's my Korean vocabulary for the day. Yeah. I actually... I went to one place recently where uh, there was a bit of a dispute about to leave. So somebody had written Cholgo on the wall, and then somebody else defaced it to Cholgyeol, meaning... Cleaning. <laughs> so it went from to be demolished to to be cleaned. That's a <laughs> yeah. Korean pun of the day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you also might have noticed that there was other types of paint on the walls. Uh, people came here and they drew, like artists came here and they drew pictures on the walls of like animals, you know, village people, Superman even. Um, and that is uh, a, a thing. That's that a thing from when the neighborhood was alive and well, right? It was when it was alive and well. Uh, well, not maybe, maybe not well. When it was known to be endangered, mm. and uh, people wanted to try to preserve it, so they came from outside this neighborhood to give it art to make it, uh, you know, hopefully give it some more value that would allow it to be preserved. The the word for this is byakwa mar or. Uh, uh, Mural Village, mm. and uh, it's been done in all sorts of places across the country. Uh, in Seoul, you might know of Ihua Mural Village uh, mm. up by Dehangno. There's also Gemi Mar that's in uh, 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 um and and this one, I guess. One thing I learned about you today, John, is that um, when going to these demolition villages, you tend to carry around cans of cat food. Uh, and you fed a very nice little cat as we approached. I guess these these neighborhoods probably have to be demolished swiftly because otherwise they would be cat and rat uh, villages in and of themselves, wouldn't they? Oh, that's that can be true. Uh, but also, in particular, the cat we met earlier, uh, this cat, as soon as it saw us, it ran over and it was meowing at us. Those are two things that stray cats don't do here. That was an abandoned pet from this neighborhood. So uh, a previous person who lived here left their cat behind. That, oh my God, that 
That's heartrending. Yeah, it happens so much. Animal abandonment is a huge problem in this country. So that's why I, I try always to bring cat food with me when I go to these places. That's a bit of a blast from the past there, isn't it? If only it was operational and not on its side on the top of a rubbish heap. How fascinating. It says in English, it's a, it's a big, huge vending machine lying on its side. It says telephone, coffee, and canned drinks. The everything top, you need. Everything, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the top part is a glass window into some enticing fruity drinks. And then built right near the coin slot, there's what you would view as like a sort of a 1970s phone box uh, so you can make your call and quench your thirst right at the same go. Got to be at least 30 years old. Minimum. Minimum. I mean, this is 2017. We're looking back probably to the 70s, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is its final resting place. Yeah. No more calls. <laughs> Guys, we have emerged back into civilization. And um, just on the outskirts of this demolition project, shining like a propaganda poster, I see the future, uh, uh, an artistic representation of the high-rise buildings that are going to go in. Uh, they look like brick red, salmon, and white. A vision of things to come. There's about 12 or 13 of them, all with parks in between, little park-like spaces, walkways. It looks like any other new complex in Korea, does it not? Uh, yeah, I gotta say, I've lived in a, a high-rise apartment, uh, not too different from these, and it was very pleasant. You don't have to hit a button to turn on the hot water. We had a bathtub. We had two bathrooms. You know, w there was a TV channel where you could see what the, was happening on the playgrounds. Wow. Uh, of course, what the problem was with all this was it was far from anywhere. It was just like living in a suburb in North America where you needed a car to get just about anywhere. I suppose even if you're far out, a development this clustered brings its own micro-economy, so you can at least be sure that you'll have your own convenience store, you'll have your own Jajangmyeon guy. I mean, really, what else do you want? A dry cleaner, something like that. Yeah. yeah. It'll all, that'll all be there. The essentials will be. But it is, as John said, this is actually, in a way, a suburban form in Korea. You know, we come from North America, where suburbs are often also cheaply built single-family houses all lined up in a grid. Suburbs are towers here, and sometimes they're inside the city. In a way, they're building a suburb here in central Seoul, or close enough to central Seoul. That's a mind-blowing statement. This is an urban suburb. Urban suburb. High-rise urban suburb. Special thanks again to John Dunbar and Colin Marshall. If you want to get some more of those guys, you can check out John Dunbar. His work is over at the Korea Times. He files frequent stories about developments in Seoul. Colin Marshall, as I mentioned, is a Los Angeles Times blogger for the review of books. His stuff appears all the time, and he's got a tremendous backlog of material. He's got a long podcast series that he did right here in Seoul called Notebook on Cities and Culture. So those guys are very prolific, and they are online if you want to hear some more of them. We are coming back with Korea on Screen, our debut edition with Won Sook Chin. We are going to look at cinematic and on-screen themes in Korean culture. This time around, 
the resurgence of patriotism in modern movies. Can't wait to talk about that. Join us for Korea on Screen right after this.